Welcome everyone to episode 153 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Tporek and today we are going to recap the winners and losers of the 2018 NBA draft. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brad, it's going extremely well. I've been looking forward to the draft for so long. It's over now. That was my <clears throat> my Christmas Eve. I've gotten no sleep. My voice is shot. Recorded so much video for my dating audience. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, my apologies. I'm going to cough all the way through this because I'm shot to hell, but I love it. It's it's perfect. Good. Yeah, I stayed up till 4 a.m. writing last night. And then as I went to bed, my I guess I was too loud and woke my wife up. And she looked at her clock and she's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Which, Only four? I got to bed yeah. at seven. Oh, nice. There you <clears throat> yeah. well, I mean, to be fair, the draft is on much later for you than it is for me. Oh yeah, like we. <laughs> I, I I'll even tell you about the setup we had because we were we were watching. Uh, I was with a lot of my my crew from my Danish side, and we had uh, we we'd gone to the local university and put it up on it on a big screen. Oh, cool. So yeah, we we did that last year as well. It's pretty fun. I'm considering doing like a major draft party for Danes next year. So if you're out there and you find that interesting, holler at me. Um, but yeah, so we did that and we just we just zombied there for like five hours. <laughs> and and at the end of the second round, we we're just looking at each other like, can can we keep on like tweeting names out because I can barely feel my fingers. <laughs> like we we're laughing at nothing because it was like six in the morning. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's, I know. Yeah, when it when it even started, my wife was like, "What time is it there for more?" I'm like, "Oh, it's uh, about two a.m. there." She's like, "What? What the hell, man?" So, shouts <laughs> to all all of our European listeners out there who had a very late night. If you braved the draft through the second round, um, more we, we're just gonna basically this is just gonna be a free flowing episode. We're gonna hit on as many winners and losers as we can. Mm. I think the big winner of the night, obviously, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Oh, man. Who they, they told him not to announce the picks preemptively, as he has in previous years when he was with Yahoo Sports. And uh, in theory, a lot of the other major outlets, I, I believe Yahoo Sports as well, was supposed to also do the same. So then <laughs> Woj, a couple hours before the draft started, tipped the first six picks he said like here's how the draft is shaping up with the first six picks and then he starts announcing picks without actually announcing them just coming up with different synonyms like focusing on and lasered in on and oh my god it was it was truly a master class mm-hmm. from Woj and Shams got in on it too and then some of the other NBA reporters also got in on the joke so really a landmark night for NBA Twitter so good work everyone but uh more I know you've got one, the biggest winner of all for you in terms of teams. Fire away, man. Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. <clears throat> I mean, look. Um, Luka Dantich. You had the fifth pick coming into the draft, and you somehow ended up with Luka Dantich. I mean, mm-hmm. shout out to Bobby Carella. Like, he was the happiest Mavs fan I've ever seen, and <laughs> I completely get that. That was so awesome. 
Yeah. I just, I love that. I love that Luca is going to the Mavs to spend a season with Dirk. That's mm-hmm. just it's so poetic in a way. And they also got like Jalen Brunson. Yep. Like they, they got some good pieces. I really, really enjoyed their draft and what they did. And I know that people are like, oh, but they gave up a, 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 an additional first rounder. Yeah, it's Luca. It's for Luca. It's not for some chump. This is for Luca Doncic, who's going to be like an organizational player and potentially like one of a fully fledged max caliber designated player type guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you give that up easily. I mean, I'm. I think Dallas just that was a home run all the way through. Yeah, I, I and Kevin Pelton of ESPN.com had a thing, um, some analysis about that trade where he's like, you know, usually. Trade, he doesn't advise trading up. The value isn't often great, with a few exceptions, one of which was Donovan Mitchell last year. But he's in the same boat. He's like, the value for Luka here is just too great. And even if the Mavs gave up the number one pick, which they can't, they, they gave up a top five protected pick next year. So the worst that could, the worst damage it could be is number six overall. Mm-hmm. But even if it was number one, he says it's still probably a good trade because Luka, in terms of his statistical uh analysis and like preview of what or projection of what Luca was going to do he said it's I think it's the best prospect he's had since Anthony Davis yeah like LeBron wasn't in his database because he was coming out straight from high school but like Luca has that caliber of like as you said not only a max player but like a designated better rookie extension max like a 30% max guy like he Mm -hmm. is He's your new franchise player. Dirk is in the twilight of his career. Luka Doncic is the Mavs franchise guy for the next 15 years. So giving up a top five protected pick in a draft, you know, in a 2019 draft that right now doesn't seem to be as strong as this one wound up being and last year's ended up being. I mean, there's still a lot of time. Things can change. Players can emerge out of nowhere. We don't know. But, you know, there's also a chance that the Mavs are, you know, I don't think the Mavs are going to be that bad next year, especially because now, you know, we've heard reports from Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer, among others, who said they're going to go big game hunting in free agency for a center. And they've got, you know, Clint Capella's out Mm. there, Boogie's out there, DeAndre Jordan possibly. Like, if you add Mm. Boogie to, you know, uh, a Doncic, DSJ... Dirk core you got Harrison Barnes you saw Wes Matthews like they might not be a playoff team next year but that's at least a 35 win team I I think they're that's a playoff team right it might be yeah, I mean it's, assuming it's the West of course is so... right and then assuming of course the boogie like is right. healthy right we yeah. don't know about the Aquilas, but I think here's the thing though and I, I don't think a lot of people are talking about this Dantage is NBA ready like yeah. people don't talk about that part of him enough. Like they mm-hmm. they crap on him from being for, for being European and yada yada all that. But one layer of the whole Doncic debate is he's going to come in ready to go. He just went through an eighty game season. Yeah, that's true. He's like he's just he's ready. Yeah, I mean he's going to come in next year and put up numbers. I mean he's not going to be one of those guys like oh for the first two months of the season they're going to come off the bench and get the rookies treatment. No, no, he's a fully fledged starter from day one. If he and if he's not, I'm going to fly to Dallas and kick Rick Carlisle in in the ass. I mean that's just <laughs> obviously he should be a, a straight on starter from day one. Right. I mean, and to your point, like the rookie wall is 
theoretically less of a concern for him because, as you said, he just played, I think, an 82-game season, um, which is the exact length of Oh, that's of right. NBA. He did. Yeah, yes. you're right. It was 82. Which is the ex- exact same length of an NBA regular season, whereas all these guys from college, at most, they play like 35, 37 games. So we've seen it time and time again where you hit January and these guys just, they hit this lull. But... Doncic is is already a professional. He's been a professional for a couple of years now. He's he's accustomed to, you know, pacing himself throughout that length of a season. So yeah, I'm with mm. you more. Like that's not. I don't think Dallas is necessarily not a playoff team. It's just like the West is really effing good and is yeah. only going to get better because yep. you know now, who knows what happens with the Lakers. The Suns are going to be better than they were last year. Like, mm-hmm. I was, th- I mean, just in general, like, there are very few rosters now after last night where I look at that team and it's just like, I don't see any pathway to 35, 40 wins. I get that. I get like, that. Like, I, th- I just think there are a lot. Teams in general are just better and well managed. And, like, some team is inevitably going to have 15 or 20 wins next year because injuries strike and. You know, whatever happens, then you realize you're screwed and you start tanking. But, like, uh, most of the bad teams last night got better. Oh, yeah. Significantly so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just just to wrap up the Doncic thing. Um, so, as you know, like, especially on NBA Twitter, before the draft, you know, you had people questioning his his personal demeanor like some would describe him as selfish and some would describe him as like an ego centered guy mm-hmm. um i asked around uh with my european network and i have a guy who is in deep with lots and lots of important people in and around europe like in every country and i more or less just <laughs> forced him to call people <laughs> and to because I wanted to get to the bottom of this like does sure. Luka Doncic has a, a, an ego problem an attitude concern or whatever mm-hmm. he got back to me you know a couple days later and he was like I spoke to so many people some were actually upset with me mm. like no he does not have an attitude problem like it's mm-hmm. complete and utter bullshit and, yeah. and and he talked to so many people. I mean, it was like everything that came back was just this guy is like the best guy you would be able to meet. Like he's just he's got no of these. You know, don't get me wrong when I say this, but like catch my drifter. He's got none of the AAU tendencies. Mm-hmm. Like I'm all the right. shit. You know? Yeah. Right, right, right. That was that. So I just wanted to come out with that. I want to squash that one. Like if yeah. you're out there and you think that Luca has an attitude problem or is self centered or whatever. Like, forget about it. Forget about it. I have very stable sources on this one. He's not. He is a good kid, and he is he's, his head is screwed on correctly. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> we'll get to the Kings in a bit when we hit the losers, but, you know, there is no concern about him playing next to Dennis Smith Jr., right? Because he's played, he played in Eurobasket next to um Goran Dragic he spent the whole year playing next to a point guard like yeah he's a really good playmaker but like he could play next to a nominal point guard and it's actually only going to make him better right yeah he needs a point guard the thing is that's also a misconception people think that Luca is coming in as a 6-8 point guard mm-hmm. he's not he's a wing like he's yeah. 
He's probably more of a two than a three, but then again, in today's world, right. like a two and a three, same thing, right? Right. I mean, he's a wing. Yeah. But he's a secondary ball handler. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing about that. He's not just some secondary ball handler. He's like the perfect and the best secondary ball handler you could ever imagine. Like, right. he, he will eventually give you seven assists from the shooting guard position. Like, yeah. that's, that's the thing. But he does need to have a guy who he can share ball handling duties with. We saw that at Eurobasket when he was playing with Goran Dragic. Like, those two just figured it out. And I, this is a hyperbole, but just understand what I'm saying here. Like, there was a little bit of that Chris Paul, James Harden thing going on with those two. Like, mm-hmm. they, they were able to mesh. It wasn't necessarily just a my turn, your turn kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they would play off of each other. Like, when Dantich was was having the ball and started creating, like... Goran Dragic would would actively seek out like the corner and move away from the right. ball in terms of like spacing the court and wait for kickouts. So both of them could actually engage in a sort of point guard shooting guard role, mm-hmm. and I think that was going to be the same thing in Dallas with Dennis Smith Jr. Like he's going to feed a lot out of Dennis. Dennis is on the other hand like he's going to add a component that Goran Dragic doesn't have. Like he's going to back cut. And Luca yeah. is going to find him for lobs, which yeah. is going to be extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, I really like that pairing, and I'm also fully expecting Dennis Smith Jr. to become a better shooter as he mm-hmm. as his career progresses because he it wasn't like the best he wasn't the best three point shooter last year, but that will improve. And, and I think those two guys in the backcourt they're going to be so good, so yeah. good. Yeah, like the Mavs have their backcourt for the next ten years. I don't think they need oh, to yeah. overthink this one. Right, like, and, and and here's the thing, like, we talk about Bradley Beal and John Wall and all those guys, mm-hmm. like, in a couple of years, yeah. we're gonna mention that backcourt. Yeah, yep, totally agree. Yeah, he reminds me of like, it's a, it's a kind of fly comparison because Devin Booker is a better shooter than him, but it's like what the Suns are trying to make Devin Booker into. Like, they want him to be that kind of secondary ball handler, playmaker type role. Mm-hmm. Luke is a much better passer, of course, but. Booker's a better shooter, but like it's that same type of idea. Like we right. we've talked about this before. You don't it right now. You don't only want one ball handler on the floor because if you can cut that guy off, your offense dies. Like right. having multiple guys who can make plays for themselves and others is a good thing. Having Dennis Smith Jr. next to Luka Doncic is only going to make both of those guys better. So, you know, I I tweeted this last night, but it's like and you alluded to it before, Mort. It's wild that. The teams with the number four and five picks entering the night wound up with the two best players, and that's <laughs> yeah, that's my next big winner is the Memphis Grizzlies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, <laughs> they benefited from the Kings taking Marvin Bagley second, so Jaron Jackson, who has a realistic chance of becoming the best big man in this draft class, fell right into their laps at four, and okay. now they don't have. You know, Jackson can play interchangeably. Like, eventually you want him to play the five. But right now, because Memphis remains committed to Mark and Saul, you can play him at the four. You could put him as your backup five as well. Like, there will be minutes for him in either position. He could shoot threes. He has the quickness to really switch to even to guards. Like, yeah. they have, you know, now they have their heir apparent to Gasol in the future. But they also have a guy who can play with them. It's like, it, I mean, they just lucked out completely that you know the Bagley went second and the Jackson just fell right into their lap but right. kudos to Memphis for not screwing it up oh yeah big time I mean look here's the thing with Memphis right they could have messed it up 
They yeah. could have gone in a different route, and they didn't. Like, there was some talk about them wanting to win 50 games. Mm-hmm. And instead, and that all credit to them, like, they decided to look at the big, big, big picture and go for the guy left on the board with the highest upside. Yep. I mean, yes, that's what you do. That's absolutely mm-hmm. what you do, obviously. And yeah. by the way, just before we forget it, remember when a, I think it was about a year ago, you and I talked about how the draft could actually end up um, further dissing the, yeah, the West yeah. and the, the East. The yeah. top three guys in this draft, like the three guys that were in there in its year of themselves, I mean, mm-hmm. Dontage, Aiden, and Jackson, all yeah. went West. They this sure was did. my big concern a year ago. I remember I, I brought it up several times. Yep. Like, the the West is getting a lot richer, yep. which is really uh, I don't know if it's if I'm at that point where it's concerning, mm-hmm. but the East could use one of those guys. Well, at a certain point, stars are going to realize that you would think, and they're just going to say like, what? Especially if LeBron goes to the Lakers this summer, you're going to look at the East and it'll be like the Celtics and the Sixers, and who else? Like, you have an right. easy pathway to the second round of the playoffs, at least, and, like, a feasible chance of making the finals, whereas in the West, you're going to have to go through the Warriors, the Rockets, and a bunch of these up-and-coming teams as well. Like, mm-hmm. y- you would think free agency will help shift that power balance, but you're right, right? Like, the, the West, especially the lottery teams in the West last night, got significantly better. I also, for the Grizzlies, I like their pick in the second round, Javon Carter. I think he's going to be a great yeah. You know, he's not going to be, I don't think, whereas Jackson is the heir apparent to Gasol, I don't necessarily think Carter is the heir apparent to Conley, but, like, he'll be a great backup point guard for them. He's, he's gonna, a like, bulldog. He's a yeah, bulldog. He's, he's the perfect type of grit and grind guy for them. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I mean, to your point about, like, the Grizzlies, there was talk leading up to the draft about them at least weighing, dumping the number four pick just to get out of Chandler Parsons' contract. Mm-hmm. Like, kudos to them for not doing that who gives a shit like right it's two more years don't piss away an asset like you i mean if gasol and conley stay healthy and you keep both of those guys next year you're probably not going to have the number four pick next year like this is your one chance to get that type of foundational piece yeah get like trying to get out of chandler parsons contract is not worth giving up nine possible years of jaron jackson jr i couldn't agree more I think and that I think Denver realized that as well. They were apparently shopping fourteen yep. and Kenneth Fareed, but yep. decided, you know, that let's just hang on to this asset. And yeah. Fareed is done after this year. We'll be in deep because we have to extend Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. But and Gary Harris's extension is gonna kick in, but let's just swallow it for a year and then get Kenneth off the books and then we we'll go from there. I respect that. Like and also I like the 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 Wizards, they were con- contemplating mm-hmm. the same thing with the fifteen of Marching Cortat. And I'm so glad they didn't pull that trigger because, oh my God, how I'm so hyped about the Troy Brown selection for Mm -hmm. Washington. I love it. Love it. Well, speaking of the Nuggets, I think they're they're my next big winner. You know, I I understand there's a lot of risk with Michael Porter Jr. at 14, Matt Moore of the Action Network, who's in Denver, plugged into the organization after the draft last night. You know, he he said this is his opinion. It's not based on any concrete reporting, but there's a non-zero chance that Porter Jr. takes a redshirt year this year because um, the the Nuggets last night were basically just saying they're going to 
they were preaching patience with Porter Jr. Um, you know, it sounds like <laughs> if he fell that far, if he fell to 14, there's at least some concern over mm-hmm. the long-term outlook of his back. And I think, you know, I think at 14, and I wrote a piece that is either going up, it should be on Give Me Sport probably by the time this episode goes up, uh, about, you know, this is, um, oh no, I sorry, I wrote it for B-Ball Breakdown. Did a lot of writing last night. Um, but <laughs> it, 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 like this is the place where you take a home run swing if you're Denver at 14. Because like you, the odds of finding, you know, a five-time future all-star at that spot are just not great. But right. Porter Jr., if he stays healthy, has that upside. If you're Denver, you don't need to rush him back. Like you were one game right. away from the playoffs. Paul Millsap missed half the season. Even if, you know, even if Porter strikes out and can't stay healthy like you still have Jokic, you still have murray you still have gary harris like you have a really strong core for the future so at that you know swing for the fences like this is a home run at swing and if if it hits like you have really like the missing piece you have a 20 point per game wing scorer who can be your go-to guy late if for whatever reason murray and harris are like being locked down by to like a tough opposing backcourt um it's i I mean i love it like i i think it's just at that point it's so worth the risk and they're in the position to really allow him to come along slowly like i i if if you take him in the top five you're gonna have to you're gonna feel the pressure to play him right away yeah even though it's dumb like joel mb had missed two seasons and no one cares now but you know if you spend the top five pick on a prospect you're expecting immediate returns from him at 14 i just don't think there's that much pressure denver Mm. also isn't like i mean in terms of national attention to the nuggets it's not a huge market so i think he'll be able to kind of sink under the radar a little bit right so if he does miss a whole season or half a season or whatever it's not going to be like if he ended up on the kings and then everyone would be like kings they wasted their pick or if he ended up you know even in the clippers like I, you know, I know there was some criticism last night of the Clippers for not taking Porter Jr. with one of their two picks that right before, but I think there would just be more of a spotlight on him in that yeah, situation, yeah. yeah, than in Denver. So, I, you know, what the hell, Denver? Like, go for it. I think it was a a really really smart gamble at that spot. So I didn't see the Matt Moore tweet. Are you saying that he proposed, like, in his opinion, that he was that Porter Jr. is not going to play next year? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And also, I think that might be the best course of action. The thing is, though, and you have to consider this, like, he lost out on a year of development at Missouri because he couldn't do anything. Right. So I think Denver is probably going to handle it a little bit differently. Like, they'll make sure that he's, he's, you know, progressing, but they'll still make sure that he's somehow, someway developing, be that, like, basketball iq watching a lot of film doing whatever like they'll they'll trap they'll get him along in a in a in a certain way which ultimately could prove beneficial for him absolutely um yeah yeah but now now that you said kangs like (laughs) let's go to a loser and here's the thing um i just realized something because like i told you i'm very tired i just came off of, of recording some video for my daily site and i had three losers which were Atlanta and then the two LA squads. 
Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot about Sacramento. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. That's because, and you know why I did that? Because I assumed they'd fuck up. <laughs> and they did. And they did. So it didn't yeah. even register afterwards. I'm going to replace the Lakers, which I had as one of my my losers here. Yeah. And and go with the Kings. So yeah. Because I can't fault Atlanta for not taking Dantage and then not penalize the Kings for right. doing the exact same thing. Right. At least Atlanta got Trey Young, Trey Young out of it. Yeah, and a future I mean, first round pick. And a future first round pick. And I had Trey Young higher on my big board than I had Marvin Bagley. So, yeah. I mean, Kangs will be Kangs. And this was undoubtedly a PR move, Brian. This was them <laughs> yeah. listening to a fan base, you know, just crazy for some kind of thing. But the thing is, they listened to the wrong kind of fans. Because when I was growing through, like, you know, <laughs> this is tongue-in-cheek, but clever King's Twitter. Right. I saw so many disappointed people. Like, yeah, I, oh, I was going to no. say, like, I, I, all of the King's people I follow or who yeah. just came across my timeline, all of them wanted Doncic. Yeah. I didn't see a single person who was excited about Bagley. No, I, I saw, like, some retweeting it because they thought it was funny and, and stuff like yeah. that. But, but that was <laughs> right. mostly, like, that was the casual Kings fan. Hmm. But, you know, the, the the knowledgeable Kings fans were like, no way is this happening. Right. Why is this happening? This is so dumb. And, yes, it is. And it, it's so unfortunate because they actually were starting to get back on the right path, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they made some good moves last year. They absolutely fleeced Phoenix two years ago, yeah. and and now they had a chance to get Luca freaking Dantage, and they whiffed, Brian. They just whiffed. Well, I mean, you alluded to one of my two problems with it is even if you weren't high on Doncic, there were enough teams that were that you take him and you trade down because right. clearly, you know, that Mavs offer would have been there. You probably could have even gotten a little bit more out of them. Mm-hmm. The you know the the magic probably wanted in on that as well. Like there there was clearly enough reported interest in Luca that you should try to extract assets if you could. There were two comments that came out either before or after, or actually three comments that came out. Uh, I think a couple before and one after that really you know as if I didn't hate that pick enough. It already made me even angrier. Uh, right. The first was, I think this was from Carmichael Dave, who's a Kings guy. Uh, he spoke to a source, and they said Bagley was number one on their board, ahead of Aiton, ahead of Jackson, ahead of Doncic, the number one player on their board. Oh, Afterward, no. they said, I think this was Vlade who said that Bagley can play the three, the four, and the five. No. No, don't do they, it, Vladi. They also expressed concern about taking the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands, which is that's what that was their justification for passing on Doncic. <sighs> they wanted to keep the ball in De'Aaron Fox's hands. All right, all right, Vivek Ranadive, I'm addressing you personally <laughs> right now. Look, um, as it's as the team. <laughs> no, no, actually not. Look, um, Vivek, I'm I'm actually unemployed at this point in time. So if you need me to come in and save your franchise or just like <laughs> to turn thing around or just offer a logical presence and I I'm international, so that's that's a thing I have going for me. Yep. I I mean, I'm here. 
I'm right here, so just give me a call. I'll help you. I'll hold your hand. I'll go through how things work with you and 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 think works with the, with the franchise rather, and and I'll help you get settled. I'm no, I'm not, I'm not upset with you, Vivek. Not anymore because I realize that you are just not very bright at doing your job. Yeah, I'm here to help you, kiddo. Okay, just yeah. call me. Yeah, and see, I'm using my soothing voice, so you know I won't be a threat. <laughs> You you had a good tweet yesterday. I think it was you, right? Who you were like uh, when the Kings used that crowdsourcing experiment yep. a couple of years ago? Yeah, this was probably the year to do that instead because this, like, literally every other Kings fan, as you mentioned, was like, "Take effing Luka Doncic. Do not yep. do this. It's just look." And I, I, you know, we're we're shitting on the Kings because everyone's going to today. I hope Marvin Bagley is good. Like, this is nothing against Marvin Bagley. Like, I want every prospect in this draft to hit their ceiling. It sucks when guys bust. I hate, you know, how quickly we give up on these guys. Like, I really do hope Bagley fares well there. It seems, Mm -hmm. obviously, they are very high on him, especially they they said him and Harry Giles are going to be, like, their front court of the future, which I guess guess that means time to start bidding on Willie Cauley-Stein. But... It's, you know, there's just, it's the Kings. Like, you just have to assume the worst at this point. And especially given, especially given how many big men they've gone through, they've cycled through in recent years. Like, Mm -hmm. there is nothing that gives me confidence in their ability to develop Bagley the way that they should, especially if they're talking about playing him as a small forward. He's 6'11. Like, that's, having watched the NBA in the last five years, like, what the effing f are you doing if you're saying yeah. marvin bagley can play the three? Oh yeah and here's the thing i i i'm so glad you brought that up the uh, the, the marvin bagley point uh about hoping he you know he becomes better or realizes his potential rather mm-hmm. yeah i actually think he could be the rookie of the year i think yeah. he actually has the potential to come in right off the bat and average 2010 and i realize that i make i i sound like you know, an idiot uh, or an insane person when I say that, but I legitimately think that he can put up great numbers. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he can put up a lot of impactful numbers in the right. sense where, and, and you know, numbers are numbers, but I just don't. I think he, he's way more of like an Anton Jameson type. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of good points and good stat lines, but not all over influential in the grand scheme of things. Right, and. With the Kings, I'm just worried that they're going to look at those raw numbers and go, oh my god, he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. And then they decide to just build everything around him, not mm-hmm. realizing that he's and he, he's supposed to be a, a complementary piece and not the centerpiece. Yeah. That's that's concerning to me because I think personally that the centerpiece should be De'Aaron Fox. I think he's good enough to, to warrant that mindset at least. Mm-hmm. Well... And also, it's just it, the, there's it's like hard to find a quote unquote tweener in the NBA today because like mm. it's become so positionless. But Bagley might be one of the rare examples where he is a tweener, where like you know, and people he he got very mad in the pre-draft process for people saying he's not a good defender, but there you know nothing on tape in his last year at Duke suggests he's going to become like an all world defender by any means. He's not big enough or quick enough to defend fives or fours. So it just begs the question of like, what, where is his best or threes? 
<laughs> or threes. Well, I don't know. Talk to Vlade. So, yeah, it, 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 I, I mean, it sucks. Like Kings fans, we we feel for you. We're, we you know, honestly, you are some of the most loyal fans in the NBA. Because most fans, if their team shit on them this much, they would have jumped ship long ago. Until you know, if they acquire Steph Curry and then bandwagon back on, like all. Oh the no, no, no they did acquire Steph Curry. Uh, <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. 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 By the way, has point. anyone checked in on Tom Siller? Are we absolutely sure that he's still alive right now? Yeah, he uh he's like not tweeting anymore, which probably oh. is smart. Yeah, cuz yeah. he 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 realized Twitter can be accessible and now he's actually just trying to raise money for immigrant families, which is actually really nice. But oh, he is. I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Yeah, okay, yeah. good on you, yeah, Tom. He, that's that's instead tremendous. of tweeting he like literally he tweeted he tweeted something about uh he wrote a story last night about like the Sixers draft swap which I want to read but he's like instead of tweeting that link I'm tweeting this link to raise money to prevent uh the heinousness that's going on in Texas right now so yeah shout out to Tom Ziller for being that's a good awesome. dude being a stand up dude and for knowing not to tweet about the Kings right now it's really probably best for your health. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even realize. I'm looking over his feet right now. I have no idea how I, I, I did not realize this. Okay, well, over the past 48 hours, Twitter has been pretty active. So it, right. I guess it is, you know, physically possible for me to to not look at five tweets. But <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Good on you, Tom. Good on you. Yeah. Um. All right. Who should we talk about next? Do Wendell wanna, Carter. Who? Wendell? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got your boy? Yeah, I got my gonna... boy, but I, I'm just, I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised. Are you going to praise Garpax? Is this, no. is this about to happen? No, not going <laughs> to praise them. Uh, why should I praise them for doing the obvious thing? Of what I, should I be praising them for not doing, or you know, not doing the, the wrong thing? I mean, yeah, this was kicks, logical. The kicks didn't do that? Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, I came in... Um, Believing that the Bulls were just going to pick Michael Porter Jr. regardless, like that's, right. I, so I was and I I thought he was I don't I I haven't even had Michael Porter Jr. in the top fifteen of my big board, by the mm. way, he was outside the damn lottery for me, mm-hmm. and I was just uh, of course he's gonna go there, sure. And then they they then they went with Carter, who I has had and as number four on my big board, so mm. they actually at seven got. For me, a top four player in this draft, which mm-hmm. was very surprising, because it's been a while since they actively went out and and hit a home run in the draft. And I'm say I'm saying that fully realizing that they hit a home run with Laurie last year. Yeah, that's about but to say. I don't, but but I don't think that counts. And here's why. Oh yeah. They didn't even interview Laurie, right. and they certainly didn't work him out. Like right. that was all based on what I, I'm guessing, like secondhand knowledge. Mm-hmm. So. In in layman's terms, they lucked the fuck out. <laughs> right. So I'm yeah. not gonna give them credit for that. This yeah. one, I'll give them, you know, the, a head nod for. Hey, guys, you did the right <laughs> thing. That's awesome. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, oh, at 22, you're you're drafting the guy you made a promise to over a month ago. Yeah. What? Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Like, why do you make promises? Like, you, you saw Robert Williams was slipping. I know that you have a loaded front court, but like, he's got tremendous more, a lot more trade potential, or trade value than a guy like Hutchinson. So, like, yeah, uh, twenty-two was like, eh, but I liked seven. 
Yeah. Wendell Carter yeah. and Laurie Markkinen is going to be one hell of a front court. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could take issue with 22. I understand it. I think that's that's the fair criticism is not necessarily Hutchison as a player because that was like right around the range he was projected to be drafted at least. But right. yeah, it's like there were a lot of other guys, especially a lot of other 3 and D guys who went off the board in that range. Um, I mean, I, the reason you make a promise is to shut a guy down so he doesn't go take right. works out, workouts with other teams and, you know, doesn't go impress them and get drafted higher. But it's still very bulls to make a promise to what? How old is he? 22, 23? Oh, yeah. He's a senior. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah. <laughs> very, very bulls to go That was after. very bulls. Yeah. yeah, but he is a really good shooter. I mean, he he's going to fill that void on the wing for them. So, I mean, overall, I think you're right. The Bulls had one hell of a draft. Um, and I saw it. some Bulls fans were making fun of Garpax or holding a press conference at the end of the first round last night that I saw. But mm. in their defense, Brett Brown also did that for the Sixers. He came back after the second round and did another one, but he did have like a 12-minute presser right at the end of the first round when the Sixers had still the 38 pick in the second round. So right. I think it was, I think that's like a little more common than Bulls fans realize or like we're giving Carpax credit for, but I understand the optics were not great of that. Right. So instead of keeping on talking about Chicago because nobody wants that, sure. I think we should talk about the Clippers. They're one of my losers, Brian, because I was expecting them to walk away with Miles Bridges and Sayer Smith. Mm. And, I mean, look, I, I like, I, I love uh, Shea Alexander. Yeah. I, I'm still not going to be able to pronounce that middle name accurately. <laughs> okay. That's 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 an American, you know, you can, you ask me how you, I pronounce, like, European names. Yeah. That American name, I can't say it. Like, I still have problems saying, like, Michael Kit Gilchrist. I have to, like slow it down a little bit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, those those hyphens that you yeah. throw me. Um I was I was hoping they would walk away with Miles Bridges. And to their credit, they selected Miles, then right. they traded him. <laughs> yeah. Um and Sayer Smith. And mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that didn't happen because they took Jerome Robinson at thirteen. And yeah. that was a reach. Yeah. That it was seems quite like, the reach. I mean there were rumblings that he was one of Jerry West's favorite prospects even coming into yeah. the draft. That's so right. it shouldn't have necessarily come as a huge surprise had you been reading the tea leaves. But that said, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people um, didn't have him projected to go that high just in terms of best player available. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, you just got to trust the logo, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, that's it. But, but then again, I mean... Yeah, I trust the loco, or you can argue that you can trust the loco. I just think they had a chance to walk away with something great here. Like, yeah. could you imagine Miles Bridges and Sayer Smith on the same team? Like the the athleticism, the defense. Oh my God, that that would create an identity, mm-hmm. and it would create a culture, which more importantly, I think the Clippers need. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised they took a point guard. They traded up for Shea Gilgis Alexander at 11. They right. gave up two second round picks to move up one spot. Like they need a point guard. That's fine. And he, for all we know, he's going to be the best one in the draft. You know, he's six six. If that shot translates, mm. you know, he he could be better than Colin Sexton at least, who went three picks ahead of him. 
Oh um, yeah, that was that was something. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get there. Um, so I you know I don't take umbrage with that. The Jerome Robinson thing, I get it. Like I, I get why people are down on it. Like I don't know enough about him to say definitively like that that was a bad pick. Like you know there are always going to be guys who are perceived reaches just based on talent and like you know how draft boards look but uh, you know the dude shot 40.9 percent on almost six three-point attempts per game like if you if you just believe that shot if you believe you know he's six seven and he's a 40 plus percent three 40 plus percent three-point shooter right if you believe that's going to translate to the nba that you know that's what everyone's looking for these days right i think the problem with me for jerome is the age Mm-hmm. And the physical profile, which isn't fantastic. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, a small wingspan. He's only 6'5". The, there is some athletic ability there. And there's also certainly the scoring component. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, like, he's not a great rebounder. He's not a great mm-hmm. playmaker. He's, you know, defensively, in terms of garnering steals and blocks, it's really not looking good. He averaged almost three turnovers per game in college, playing mostly off the ball, which is almost impressive. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's a combination of him being both old, lacking in some serious skills, and not having the physical profile. Like, sure. I think he's going to be fine. Like, I, he's a first-round talent. I'm not knocking that. I'm knocking that he was selected 14th. I yeah. mean, there are so many guys I would rather have. Like, a guy like Shake Milton drafted 54th. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would argue that he's in that same level as Jerome Robinson. Mm-hmm. I would definitely rather have DeAnthony Melton drafted at forty sixth, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, at, at than this. Yeah, no, it, it's fair. I mean, I think the <laughs> the moral is outside of like the top ten, eleven picks. Like, really, I have no confidence in saying the guy who got drafted thirteenth or fourteenth is going to be better than the guy who got drafted forty sixth. Like, right. I think there was just such a level range of like you're just taking flyers on all of these dudes like there are so many three and d wings especially like mm-hmm. it's gonna come down to your player development program the system you have around them how much they want to work you know like their their internal motor will go a long way whether you can carve out the minutes either on your main roster or in the g league like a, a lot of these guys could hit could miss i have no idea but i i hear you more i mean it's in terms of like just best player available, Robinson was probably a reach at thirteen, especially with a guy like Michael Porter Jr. on the board there. So I can understand why people are calling and Sayer. Yeah, and Zaire, who was the guy so. I wondered? Like, yeah. yeah. Should we should we go to Zaire? I think but, we should. I think we should. I mean that uh, that that whole trade was yeah. was uh, was something. So let me just ask you this: sure. as a Philly fan. Um, you you for months you've yeah. been on the whole Mikhail Bridges, uh, wagon. Right. He's selected, yep. and I assume that you're excited as shit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then comes the trade. Like I understand that what you got in return was great. Mm-hmm. You got a guy with a higher upside. You got an additional mm-hmm. first round pick. That's like the trade in itself, from a value perspective, like you won that trade hands down. Mm-hmm. But even even so, even if you did that. Is there not a component of you right now that's like, oh, but he would have been so good right off the bat, and he yeah. would just fit so well, and now he's not here anymore? 
Yeah, there definitely is. Um, and, you know, Brett Brown in his presser alluded to that. He's like, mm. you know, we had... We, the, he says they had Mikhail and Zaire Smith, 1A and 1B on their board. They took Mikhail. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and then when... I, it's unclear who called who for that trade. Uh, John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports said Philly called, Brett said the Suns called, whatever. What, someone called someone and offered six, you know, Zaire at 16 plus the Miami pick. And so if it was that close on the Sixers board, I understand why they did it. Um, yeah, I did have a lot of upset Philly fans in my mentions last night, which I thought was interesting. Because uh, it was like... The whole draft for Philly was just, like, such a fucking Sam Hinkie draft. Like, it was yeah. literally <laughs> Sam Hinkie. Yeah. Like, like, Brett Brown channeled the spirit of Sam Hinkie and, you know, trading down six spots to get an extra first-rounder, trading 38 and 39 to get three future second-rounders. Like, it's just, it's Hinkie all over. Um, so, for that okay, reason... Can I just jump in and say that's impressive for a head coach to think that long-term? Yeah, I know. And it, so, I think that... That part of it makes me more okay with it. Like, I understand Mikael Bridges is much more ready next year to step in and make an impact right away. Mm. Whereas Zaire Smith, and Brown said that, like, Zaire is more of a developmental guy. Um, As you said, I think he does probably have the higher upside, if only because of his age. He's about three years younger than Mikael. Three? That's, that's, That's a bit. Yeah, and like athletically, he jumped out of the goddamn gym at the combine. I think he was top five in most of the athletic testing. Oh yeah, he was insane. insane. Yeah, his max vert was like in the I think he was in the forty one range, somewhere around yeah, something there. like he was he was insane. Like he had a great combine. Right. So like the shot is not there yet, whereas Mikhail's obviously was. But when when Mikhail was Zaire's age, he shot thirty percent from three. So, mm. you know, do I believe in the Sixers' developmental system? It's what it comes down to. And, like, having seen Dario develop as a three-point shooter, TJ, uh, the, we're just going to disregard the faults thing entirely. Oh, but, you ruined my joke. I was just about to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there is hope that Zaire, as you said, could turn into the better NBA player down the road. I think... The trade probably does make the team worse next year. But that said, they had a 52-win team without either one of those guys. So, like, it was it was just weird because, you know, it is a process trade. And I had people in my mentions, like, that were really upset and were like, you know, why are they doing this? They have a team ready to win now. Like, why are they kicking the can down the road? And it's like, this is what they should be doing, though. Like, mm-hmm. you should – and as you said, like, it's impressive for Brett Bound to be thinking – now and later like that's what always trips up these dual coach gm guys yep is you can't balance the now with the future and you know the the temptation is just take mikhail bridges who would slot in right away mm-hmm. and you know ride him to whatever help help a 55 right. win season but by trading down you free up an additional one million in cap space ah uh, that make- was yeah, yeah, that was. I was just about to mention because he did think about the now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. So there's that. But then also, uh, as and he mentioned this in his press conference, this is the thing I was most impressed about. 2021 is when high school mm-hmm. players may be able to enter the draft right out of college. Zach Lowe reported this last week. Brett Brown brought that up in his presser. 
Like, the fact that they were thinking, you know, with that Miami pick is, like, not only is it unprotected and, like, Miami could suck absolute ass in three years because who knows what direction that franchise is going, but, like, that draft class could be the most loaded draft class ever. In years, yeah. Just because you're going to have the one and dones plus the guy straight out of high school. All right. Um, I'm going to say something now. Okay. We have... We've, we have recently just crapped on you know the dual coach gm role right uh-huh but with brett brown no oh, no 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 just just hear me out here because okay. he has an advantage that other coaches have not he's been in a role as a head coach where winning wasn't demanded of him mm. where he for so many years got accustomed to realizing the value of gaining future assets. Mm-hmm. At the same time, however, he still functioned very well as a head coach. Sure. He developed his players. They were in the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's got a team that potentially within the next five years could win the championship. Mm-hmm. If there's one guy out there who I would probably trust after last night's draft with this dual role... It's Brett Brown because he's been everywhere right now. Yeah, and he, you know he had what a decade in the Spurs system where Pop has effectively exactly. functioned in that role. So. Exactly. I'm not arguing that he should become, right. but I'm saying that if like Philly doesn't really find the right guy on the market to head the hel- you know head the helm of the team, mm-hmm. like if they somehow just look at the market and go, you know what, we don't feel confident about the guys out there. I would have no problem with my Brett Brown stepping in for a year and just taking over full GM role for a year yeah, until think, they find the right guy. Right. I, I think that is what – I think that's why they're in no hurry to find a guy. Like I think they know the opening is so appealing just based on what they have and what they could become that they're in no rush just to fill it right before free agency and they have the confidence for those reasons in Brett Brown to manage it for the time being. And like, yeah, I, I have more faith that he could manage the dual role successfully than Stan Van Gundy or Tom Thibodeau. Right. But, but Brett has already said he has no interest in doing it full time. No, like, and I get that. I'm, yeah. what I'm, I'm just arguing that the dude seems to have an understanding of team construction that mm-hmm. these other head coaches, including Doc Rivers, has not shown the ability to have. Like they have not shown the ability of, the, of having the fort side to how and how to how you know to build a team on the long term while at the same time you know helming a team from a coaching perspective. Yeah. So it's it's interesting and it's I, what I basically take away from this is you have such a huge asset in Brett Brown mm-hmm. that if your organization ever fires him I'm going to be upset for your your sake. Oh man. On your behalf. I'm going yeah. to be so pissed. That guy <laughs> should be in your organization and have like a Jerry Sloan career. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, anyone who's in the fire Brett Brown camp still could just get the fuck out, find a new team. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. He, he is an absolute He's amazing. Saint. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's weird. Like, this whole – the whole draft, I I almost want to give the Sixers an incomplete. Like, I, I, I don't feel comfortable grading them, not only because, you know, who knows what right. Zaire Smith becomes. But, like, Brett said, we're going star hunting – and that 2021 first, like, I'm not convinced the Sixers ride it out and actually make that pick. It, you know, 
I, I don't think it's a coincidence they added that unprotected first plus three future second round picks last night. Like, I, mm. I think that was in part asset accumulation, whether it's for a Kawhi Leonard trade, whether it's for another trade down the line that we just, you know, whatever disgruntled superstar comes out next, right. whether it's to get more ammunition to dump Jared Bayless's contract. Like, if they somehow convince LeBron James to come, they still need to get rid of Jared Bayless. So now you have two more or three more second rounders you can use to get out of that. Like, I was very impressed with, um, with with the way Brett managed that dual role last night, and yeah, I'm encouraged about the future, even if I'm less certain that LeBron is coming to the Sixers than I was a month ago. <laughs> uh, the the one thing about the Sixers draft that I did get slightly confused by was the Landry Shamet pick at 26. And it's nothing against him because, like, again, they they really had an archetype they went after with Zaire, Landry, uh, and Shake Milton in the second round. It's like a bunch of just rangy wings. Uh, you know, both Shake and Landry shot, I think, right right around. Both were above 43% from three last year. But that said, you know, they by taking him at 26, they let Robert Williams follow the Celtics at 27. Damn, man. The Celtics are an enormous winner of the draft for getting... I mean, that guy was yeah. a lottery, or like a projected lottery pick. He was. Both last year and this year. To get him at 27 on a Celtics team that desperately needed a young center. Like, who fills that exact role that they need? Oh, it hurts. It really hurts. I know. He's... I, I think... It, look, I had Boston winning next year i have boston winning next year me too this only strengthened my case yep i mean yep. jesus that the, what they walked away there with at 27 i mean robert williams i mean i thought he would go at the very least 25th to la mm-hmm. right and then nope like they yeah. went when they went mo wagner i was like are you are you kidding me right now are you absolutely kidding me yeah and then yeah. I was when that happened, I was like, "Of course he's going. Like he's going to Boston. Of course right. he is." Right. And and yeah. they're not they're not going to look at that and go, "Oh, we're going to think outside the box." Like no, they're going to go, "Oh, he's the best player left on the board. Let's take him." Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if anything, I understand that you know you've got Joel Embiid. You don't necessarily need another center like Robert Williams would project to be your longtime backup. So, oh I yeah, he get is. it. Yeah. But like. Just take him and make the Celtics trade for him because the Celtics were obviously fucking taking him. So mm-hmm. like, just get another second round pick out of it because they definitely would have given that up. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah. shouts to the Celtics. Uh, Warriors another winner. Jacob Evans at twenty eight. I really like. I'm also I am ecstatic that the NBA learned from the Bulls last year and no one sold them a second round pick because there were a lot of guys that came off the board. Even it, I mean, not only in the '30s, but even in the '40s, like De'Anthony Melton to the yeah. Rockets at 46. I love that. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, yeah. That is that is just that is such an underrated pick. I yep. loved it. Yep. Like, if there's a guy who can come in right away and be that third guard to to you know Chris and James, well, fourth guard because you have Eric Gordon yeah, there as well, yeah. obviously. But he can just provide this defensive depth. I, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a comp here, and I hate comps, but this I th- I feel this one sticks. Okay. He's a combination of two one one former and one current Celtic, Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. His Ooh. intensity level is off the charts, yeah. and his defensive IQ is insane. Like mm-hmm. he didn't play this year because of the FBI issue. Like, yeah. oh no, the kid took some money. How will <laughs> we ever? Yeah, I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. Get, right. Go get your money, D'Anthony. Go get him. It doesn't matter. He's going to come into this Rocket squad, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat, in about 11 months, we're going to see him defend Stephen Curry in the playoffs. Mm. And we're wow. going to be talking about it on this very podcast. We're going to, when we are going to enter into like the conference finals, when we're going to do like a conference finals preview, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about... Oh, how how long will will DeAnthony Melton be on Steph Curry? Should we just should he just stick to Curry? Should he go on play? That's the discussion we'll have. That's the type of player they got at forty six. Daryl wow. Morey is a genius, and I have no idea how DeAnthony Melton did not end up under Tips. Mm. I have no idea. I thought that he, I thought Tips would probably go that route. Well, I actually really like what the Timberwolves did too, though. Oh, I did too, but I just thought the profile would fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like Josh Okogie at 20, and then Kata bates up at 48. Like, Yeah, no, that was, that was awesome. I'm high on both of those guys. I'm mm-hmm. just worried that because it's Tibbs, they're going to get buried. You know, he's not going to play him at all next year, but after the Timberwolves fire Tibbs after next season, they got yep. two, like, that. those are two good guys to have in your pipeline. They are rotation players right off the bat. Yeah. They really are. But, it, yeah, yeah. It, it was just interesting to me. But D'Anthony Melton, oh, good Lord. Like, if people out there, Rockets fans specifically, are like, oh, who is this kid? Is he even going to be any good? You are going to love him. Love him. Absolutely love him. He is going to be one of those guys who 29 other fan bases are going to hate. He mm-hmm. is the undersized shooting guard version of Joakim Noah <laughs> in that sense. Like, oh. he's going to get under everybody's skin. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that pick for them. I like the Pistons in the second round, I thought also did pretty well with Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown. Mm hmm. They did. I mean, that yeah. added some depth, and Lord knows they needed that. Oh, my right. God. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I dug what they did. Um,. I know you named the Lakers as a loser for Mo Wagner, but their second round picks I was I'm a fan of, with Bonga and Svi. Oh, with Svi, yeah. Shvidoslav Mikalik. There yeah. you go. Yeah, show yeah. off. <laughs> I know, uh, and I probably didn't. I, I probably butchered that one. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, I I had the Lakers as a loser just because there were superior options on the board. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, look. Uh, you had Keita Bates Jope in the in the second round. You had Shake Milton. Mm-hmm. Like he, you would probably go that route. You had Mitchell Robinson in the first round. I mean, it's I didn't I just didn't see what they were trying to do. Yeah. yeah. And I I mean okay fair enough they got Isaac Bonka I like Isaac, mm-hmm. but he's a stash pick. Right. And he, there's also there's always some question marks with stash picks. Are they going to get enough minutes in their European clubs, whatever. Mm-hmm. I like him. If he comes over, that's fine. You know, in a couple of years, and he's going to be good. That then I'll change my mind. But mm-hmm. in terms of who the guys were on the board, and if they are legitimately going after LeBron, mm-hmm. I think it would have been in their best interest to go with some guys 
that are really affecting the game. Could you imagine if yeah. they'd taken like DeAnthony Melton at 39th? Ooh, like yeah. LeBron would know. Like right. let's let's not underestimate what LeBron. The, LeBron watches everything, including college. Sure. LeBron would know this dude is for real. Yeah. And he would go, oh, oh, I'm 33. I don't really play defense anymore because I can't really handle that anymore. And here we have this this you know 20 year old firebug who'll guard multiple positions positions and who'll take a lot of defensive pressure off of me. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. That's good. Yeah. That's good for me. Yeah. But instead, like, hello, Mo Wagner, or and hello, Stash Pick. Like, right. what the hell? Well, I who, mean, who's V? Like, what? <laughs> I was about to say this. The stash pick makes sense because they're gonna they need as much cap space as they can. But second round picks don't count against the cap until you sign them. So that I know, but that's not gonna help LeBron out now. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. You could definitely make a case that Robert Williams twenty five and uh, Melton at thirty nine would have been. Oh, see, now that would have been a good draft. That would have been yeah. a winner team. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about uh, LeBron's current team at least his current team for eight yes. more days <laughs> yes uh, let's. what the hell colin sexton eight all right yeah so talk me into he, it I, I um kind of because okay. and kind of not because here's the thing i i still think it was a reach but i i have a theory about something and it sort of lines up with what ricky is basically ricky o'donnell who's a guest on our podcast last time around mm-hmm. um he he's saying something every year that's that's pretty true, and that is if you have a guy, like if if you have a guy who you just know, that's your guy, that's who you want to take, and there's there are no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't matter if you reach; just go get him, go secure him, and take it from there. Mm. I think that's what Cleveland did, because I cannot imagine that they were just like, huh. Oh, I guess we'll take Sexton. I can't imagine that's the mindset. I think they looked at him and honestly thought, that's our dude. And then mm-hmm. they just wouldn't risk trading down to get him. Like, they would take him at eighth. They would take all the ridicule. And it'll just go, we don't care because that's our guy. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, This is just me speculating because that's the sure. only argument I can produce that would make it okay for them to take him this high. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just... If you were... You know, that number eight pick was your best asset if you're a Cavs GM or Cavs fan or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's your best asset to convince LeBron to stay. And no, you're probably at that range. You weren't going to get a difference maker, enough of a difference maker who's going to like, you know factor into the finals enough that it's gonna like swing the finals in the Cavs favor but right I just Colin Sexton just felt like they are you know they just like pushed LeBron was already gonna leave but like this just sealed the deal like he has no reason to come back no but could they have chosen anyone though that yeah, would have right. tipped the scale I mean I don't yeah. think so probably they, not I, and I will Porter, say that, I guess yeah, not for LeBron. LeBron would be like, "Oh, I heard about the back injuries." Yeah, probably. I can't have that. No, here's the thing I like because you actually have a pitch to LeBron with the Colin Sexton selection, which is he's a bulldog of a guard. Like he'll mm-hmm. play both ends of the court, 
but he'll score. Like, he'll get into the paint. He can take possessions away from you so you don't tire out. Mm-hmm. And here's another, another thing. Are we in agreement that regardless, if LeBron stays or leaves, Colin Sexton should be starting full-time from day one when you make this type of investment in him? Like, if George Hill is starting over Colin Sexton next year, mm-hmm. I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I think if LeBron stays, George Hill starts. If LeBron leaves, Colin Sexton starts. Oh, I wouldn't do it. I was. I don't think... I think you need to throw one of these young guys into the fire with LeBron. Yeah. Because I think you learn so much. I would agree. And, I, I just, you know, I, yeah. I don't think LeBron at age 33 really is, like, psyched to, like, guide a rookie through. You know, he basically did that with Clarkson and Rodney Hood. And, like, by the end, he you could just sense his palpable frustration. All right, but this guy is actually a little bit good. <laughs> Which is, like, there's I'm just still, saying. There's still hope for Rodney Hood, just not in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. We but actually, I, yeah. Right, like now, if LeBron leaves and Rodney Hood next to Sexton, could be mildly interesting. <laughs> Very mildly interesting. Yeah. Like I'm, we I'm have, we have a piece of chicken, up. and I'm just gonna salt it a little bit, kind of mild. <laughs> yeah, you know, I gotta give Cavs fans something to look forward to, so it's gonna make it easier to watch a 21 team next year. Mm. Um, we haven't talked about the Suns yet, have we? No, but they're a winner. So let's yeah. talk about them. Even even yeah. after the trade, they lost the trade to you guys. Right. Um as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. But even even though they did that, they're still a winner. I mean, DeAndre Aiden is DeAndre Aiden, and yeah. I think that's perfectly fine. And Mikhail Bridges is ready to produce at this point. I mean, he's just going to be ready. What tipped the scale for me to make it like a, a slam dunk for their draft. Yep. Elio Kobo yep. at 31. Yep. So once again, Brian, I'm going to say something. I think he could start from day one. I agree. I agree He's that. that good. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports said they expect him next year. Um, yep. I thought he was going to be a target for the Sixers at 26, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, thought I, was, I didn't know if he was coming over next year or not. I thought he might have been a draft and stash guy for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm – very high on Akobo. He had a 44-point game last month, shot yep. over 41% from three, I believe, this year, after, like, 31% last year. That The Suns are who I wrote about for Give Me Sports, so there will be an article uh, from me shortly there. And I, I feel like, you, I mean, there's, the Suns are clear winners, but, like, you could, you could have the perspective that they left something on the table. Like, they, they could have taken, you know, both you and I had Doncic as their yeah, number they one could. guy. Right. So, like, they could have had a better draft conceptually, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm fine with what they did. Like, Aiton at number one, I don't think is anywhere near as egregious as Bagley at number two. Agreed. Like, I, you know, I could talk myself into Aiton. I, I especially yeah. Yeah. next to, with Booker, um, as, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Shaq and Kobe 2.0 thing necessarily, but, like, they could be a really good combo together. I mm-hmm. think the the, the defensive concerns with Aiton are real, but, again, he did play out of position most of the year. Um, and, like, this might actually... I, I'm kind of wondering if this leads to a Marquise Chris revival. I mean, it better. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean... Yeah. 
at this point in time, I wouldn't even be surprised if Phoenix, you know, are considering not picking up his fourth year option. They should. You should right. all hey, dear NBA teams, you should all pick up, you know, players fourth year options because they're cheap and you don't you don't ever know what's going to happen. Counterpoint, uh, see, Jalil yeah. No, no, even then. Like, you just do it, and then you look at it. I mean, unless you're in a spot where you can attract free agents. That's the right. only excuse. Like, Always you do mind. it, and you see what shakes out. I mean, yeah. look at the Hasonia thing right now. Yeah, just, I agree. Yeah, you, you just don't. I get no, it. I, I wouldn't give up on Chris either. Like, I, I kind of think he's the kind of, like, springy, weak-side shop blocker who's going to help make up for whatever defensive concerns Aiden has, at least initially. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, at least there's a chance. And, like, I mean, so I, I wrote, I mean, my, my whole thing at Gaming Sport is, like, I don't know that the Suns are necessarily a playoff team next year, but right. now they have a really interesting young core with Aiton, Booker, Bridges, uh, Josh Jackson, and then plus TJ Warren, Chris... Um, mm. Dragon Bender, and then Okobo as well. Like that's a really. There are a few teams in the league who have like a better twenty-five and under group than them. So like they might not make the playoffs next year, but then they're gonna get out of Jared Dudley and Tyson Chandler's contract. Like they could be a sneaky player in free agency. I mean, hell, this year as well. But like next year, they could really have the type of like allure to actually get a somewhat big name free agent. I think mm. this summer they can still clear out about I think it was like 18 million in cap space. So I'd actually be really interested to see. I, I think they're still going to go after a point guard. Um, you know, they have Brandon Knight who's coming back from the torn ACL. I think I'm going to hope the Alfred Payton ship has sailed cuz just no. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be really interested to see them go after like a Marcus Smart or a Dante Exum. Yeah. I mean, you would probably need a little bit more shooting, though. Wouldn't you? You got... I mean, it depends on who they start, but, like, right. a either one of those guys, Booker at the two, Bridges at the three, Jackson at the four, Aiton at the five, mm. is at least somewhat yeah. interesting to me. It is, and you have T.G. Warren off the bench. Mm-hmm. Plus Bender. Plus Bender, who can switch, surprisingly yeah. so. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like, Jared Dudley, Tyson Chandler coming off the bench. Brandon Knight, yeah, he's the guy who sticks around. And Brandon Knight's not bad. Like He's, he's not, not, but he's you not don't know about his health. Right, yeah. He's coming off the torn ACL. But, like, he was playing pretty damn well before that. Well, two years ago. Like, not... Right. Last year, you know, he played only 54 games like and that's not even this year like last year he right, played 54 right, right. games averaged just 21 minutes a game and just he was just abysmal but the year before the 2015 2016 yeah. season he was averaging mm-hmm. almost 20 points and five assists and four rebounds yep. so yeah i hear what you're saying like he's got some game the thing is we have to look at the last two years and see like how much did did these injuries just shred him yeah. as a player if any yeah. because if they if they negatively affected him you know permanently that's that's obviously the big concern. But if he comes back and he's just, like, decent, that's a mm-hmm. win. Like, that's yeah. a win right there. Yeah, because that's all you need from him. You don't need him to be an all-star. Like, you've got... Like, the, the Suns, I think, are going to be... I don't think they're making the playoffs, but I think they're going to be s- sneaky, like, kind of good next year. 
Yeah, I can see that. They're one of the you know one of the upcoming teams that you talk about a whole bunch like the, the year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, like, I get that. Tyson Chandler also is going to be the perfect guy. Like if you're going to draft a center with defensive issues, who better for him to learn from than Tyson Chandler, a former defensive player of the year? Like he's going right. to be able to teach Aiden the mental aspect of the game, which will be huge. And now they just have a bunch of these like rangy wings who Dudley is going to be a, a valuable locker room presence to help guide a Jackson and a Warren and a Mikhail Bridges as well. But, like, he could also still play. He's not mm-hmm. washed by any means. So, like, you know, they're, they're assembling the type of, like, just totally switchable roster that I think is good that we've seen. Is like, that's the thing in today's NBA. Yep. Oh, so many names. I mean, <laughs> when you look at it overall... I, 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 you know, a lot of people call this draft boring, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I get it because you know Kemba wasn't traded a lot of like sure. there wasn't all that movement. But I think this draft sort of represented a revival of sorts. You know mm-hmm. how we've talked about the league has been needing shooting guards. Like yeah. the league was was yeah. emptying out of shooting guards. Yeah. Well, this just brought a boatload of shooting guards <laughs> yeah. and, and small forwards. Like the wing is back in the NBA now. Right. I think this this draft might not be, you know, it might not go down as, as one of the great drafts of all time, but I think it might go down as one of the most necessary drafts in, you know, in recent history, simply mm-hmm. because the league was so short on these players. And now you have, like, let, let me just go on Wikipedia here because they have a great, like, position thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah, they have, like, 15 or so solid shooting guards on this mm-hmm. list and an additional like 12 15 small forwards so the wing is back and then they have a, a bunch of large point guards who yeah. could effectively play the two right i mean this is this is really really interesting you, we, you have the wing back we didn't even hit on like dante divicenzo to the bucks lonnie walker to the spurs right. grayson allen to the jazz like all three of those right. guys those are going to be interesting picks as well. Um, Simons to the Blazers. Oh yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Like they had him in for two workouts. Mm-hmm. They really yeah. liked him, and the fact that they got him, I think the I think the Blazers are really happy right now. Yeah, I, I think most teams should be happy with their hauls last night. Like I, I unless you're far, the Hawks. <laughs> there are far more winners than losers, in my opinion. That's true. Um, that is very true. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the draft before we wrap up, Mort? I mean... Do you want to go into your Hawks, your anti-Hawks? Sort of. I want to read you something. Okay. Um, so I'm actually doing like a Hawks piece, you know, regarding the draft for Give Me Sports. Mm-hmm. I haven't written it yet. I'm still trying to figure out a, you know, an angle on it. Mm-hmm. And what I did was, you know, our, our editor-in-chief, Mark Deeks, I couldn't help myself but send him like an intro I'd written about the hawks Mm -hmm. but uh it was very cheesy so mind you this is a very cheesy intro and i'm scrapping it which is why i'm i'm going to read it here to you okay (laughs) good yeah this was my analysis of the hawks uh the 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 uh, the specifically the the luka Doncic trade Mm. okay here it goes 
A man who recently had decided to turn his life around was walking on the street as he stumbled upon a winning lottery ticket worth $50 million. <laughs> the man who had very few prospects was ecstatic about the find, realizing the magnitude of his luck, especially given the amount of people having walked the same path without looking down. Hint, mm -hmm. hint. He picked up the piece of paper that would shape the future of his life and was about to put it in his pocket when a woman sitting on a bench nearby spoke to him. That luck of yours is incredible. In fact, you, should, you shouldn't settle for that ticket. This week's pool is at 60 million, so wouldn't you rather want that? The man agreed he would, but wondered how that would come about. The woman, who also recently turned her life around, laid out the strategy. I will buy your lottery ticket for the paycheck in my pocket so you get something immediately, and I'll give you the seat on the bench so you can find this week's ticket. With your luck, that'll be a piece of cake. The man, finding logic in the woman's plan, agreed to the terms and traded the lottery ticket for her modest paycheck. He placed himself on the bench and, not unlike a hawk, gazed upon the sidewalk with great expectations. <laughs> well done. I appreciate it. That's how I... That's my analysis for the Dauntage trade. Yeah. I... I'm not as down on the Hawks Hall as you. Like, I mean, everyone has taken this angle. I'm not, I, I'm not stealing this from anyone in particular because literally every analysis of the Hawks trade I've seen has just been they're trying to create poor man's Golden State with Trey Young at five and Kevin Herter at nineteen. Mm-hmm. Up, like, okay, I'm fine with it. Let's see, I, you know, they're gonna. The Hawks are one of those teams I said at the top of the episode where. There aren't many teams I see are going to be like really bad next year. The Hawks are probably one of the ones that are, especially they're presumably going to find a taker for Dennis Schroeder at some point. I'd say the Trey Young selection says Schroeder is out of there, um, even though they're they're trying to feign like the two could play together. But it strikes me as like a Steph Curry Montel Ellis thing all over again. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, you know, they've got an interesting foundation with those two guys, and I love Torian Prince, I love John Collins. Right. But, like, the Hawks are going to be, most likely are going to suck something awful next year. So, maybe that was part of the design. Like, maybe they thought Doncic is going to prevent them from... No, being... don't go there with that logic. That's it, so flawed it, logic. Don't go there, Brian. Be... I don't know. Maybe there's so, just like there aren't that many really bad teams. Let's so, go. So let me get this straight. Let pick. me get this straight. Oh, we have a chance to draft Anthony Davis, but <laughs> next year uh, we might not have a chance to go first overall again when we have a significantly worse player right. uh, at at our possible disposal. So let's not let's not go for for Anthony Davis. Let's go for the worst player next year. Yeah, I mean, they, they clearly just weren't sold on Luca, and they it seems like they wanted Trey more than Luca. They just couldn't justify taking Trey at three at when Luca three. was still on the board. Yeah, so I like Trey. Just yeah. I mean, I'm not crabbing on Trey. I really right. like Trey. I just don't think there's any comparison to having the guy who is rated the number one player in the entire draft fall to three, which is essentially you winning that goddamn lottery ticket <laughs> right. and then handing it over. That's just no, Brian. I'm not yeah. gonna no. And and Kevin Herter, like that. Yeah, he's fine. But you had so many other superior options at the table. And then who's the thirtieth pick? Omari Spellman. Come on. Mm. You had Ellie Okobo going a pick later. I mean, Mitchell Robinson would have been a better pick at that point. Like yeah. they, as far as I saw, I see it. Oh, by the way, they also drafted uh, Devonte Graham. 
and send it him and send him to Charlotte. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, look, yeah. every pick they made, you would you would had a superior option there. And the first time they actually chose a guy at thirty four with Devontae Graham, who was like, oh, that's a good pick for that you know for that slot. Right. They moved his ass. Yeah, I know Brad Rowland of Peachtree Hoops was especially pissed about the Devontae Graham thing because he, for that reason, he was like, we have so many roster spots and young players, and why? Why are you doing that? I, I it, think they got yeah. two second round picks for it. Well, la di da. Yeah, I know, I know. Or sorry, if I should use a Fox News term. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, <laughs> thank you all for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed. Stay with us for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be pumping out a lot of stuff on free agency, especially we will be with you through the LeBron saga through and through. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the almighty baller podcast network. So check them out on Twitter at almighty casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Thank you, Brian. I'm just going to take this chance, actually, to plug my Patreon. It's oh, uh, okay. for, for Danish fans out there, uh, because it's in Danish. So, I mean, you're welcome, Americans, to to support it, to support me. You just won't understand a damn, a damn thing. But <laughs> for the Danes, you can go into patreon.com slash msjnba. And uh, you can get access. I have level one and level two access for a lot of stuff. I'm going to have like a daily summer blog and everything going on. So you can go in there and support my work. I really appreciate it because the more support I get, the more I can turn this into some sort of full-time profession, which would be fantastic because that means more time with you, Brian. All right. Yeah. In that case, everyone give him a follow. Uh, yeah. Check. Do, you, do you have it in your Twitter bio as well now? Oh, yeah. Good. Oh yeah, All right. it's yes. my it's my pin tweet. Perfect. Actually, yeah. then go to MSJ NBA on Twitter. You can find the link there. Uh, in the meantime, everyone, please donate to Mort so he can go buy a Wendell Carter jersey. Uh, let's not let's not you know go nuts, Brian. <laughs> All right, later, man. Later. <laughs>